broadcasting from the home of the College World Series in Warren Buffett, Omaha, Nebraska. This is a pediatrician and training podcast. It is a resource for medical students and residents, and I'm your host. This podcast will cover high-yield topics, as well as interviews with pediatricians and pediatric subspecialists. I'm a first-year pediatrics resident at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. I went to Tulane University in New Orleans for my undergraduate degree, and I received my medical degree from Creighton University School of Medicine. I just wanted to put up a brief disclaimer on these podcasts. So this, the information presented in this, blog, in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be construed as medical advice. This is general information and is not patient-specific. This information is not guaranteed to be correct, complete, or current. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm using this as an educational tool for myself and for you guys, and I'll be presenting topics after I research them and kind of discussing them from there. Okay, so let's get started and talk about croup. So same thing like the RSV episode where you guys were like, why is she talking about RSV when it's July? Croup uh, can actually occur in the fall, summer, and spring. So most of the times of the year, you can have a kid with croup. So this is an important topic. So it is acute laryngotracheobronchitis, which I can't pronounce, so I'll just say croup. Um, the age-specific kind of related or characterized by laryngeal and subglottic swelling. If you have a kid that has hoarseness, cough, respiratory distress, and inspiratory strider, I want you guys to start thinking about croup. Uh, so hoarseness, cough, respiratory distress, and inspiratory strider. In terms of the epidemiology of this disease, so 10 to 15% of respiratory tract diseases in children. Parainfluenza is about 75% of the viral isolates. It can also be influenza that can cause croup, as well as RSV, human metanumovirus, adenovirus, and coronavirus. Some institutions will have this thing called BioFire. It is a rapid panel, and you can kind of use that sometimes to kind of evaluate which virus or bacteria it is, because BioFire will evaluate the most common bacterial and bio, viral uh, disease-causing agents. So parainfluenza, type 1 and 2, will happen in the fall, and then type 3 uh, will happen in the spring into the summer and fall. So this parainfluenza virus is like the most common cause of croup. It's the most common bug associated with croup. In terms of the kiddos, it's ages three months to three years. The peak is between six months and 24 months. Boys get it more than girls in about a two to one ratio. And there definitely is a seasonal pattern where you'll have like annual spring into summer and fall. This is when you'll kind of see these kids with croup and they'll have cough, respiratory distress, inspiratory strider, and they'll be hoarse. And then this is usually initially an upper respiratory tract infection and it'll cause congestion to the nasopharynx and the nasal passages and then the larynx and the trachea and the bronchi become involved so the hoarseness cough and strider kind of result from inflammation and obstruction of the larynx and the trachea and remember back to your anatomy from first year the anatomy of the cricoid and the thyroid are narrowest and it's the least distensible part of the larynx so it's more prone to great obstruction so if you just think about it from an anatomic standpoint if you have congestion of the nasal pharynx and the nasal passages and you just have this kid who's coughing and hoarse and the cricoid and thyroid are pretty narrow parts of the larynx, it's prone to getting obstructed. And then obstruction will lead to inspiratory strider. Risk factors. Uh, so I talked about the peak between 6 and 24 months of age. It's primarily in the first year of life if they're going to get RSV croup. And then if they were parainfluenza, which is like 75% of viral isolates of croup, That'll be in toddlers and younger school-age kids. And then some other risk factors. If your kid has airway atopy or hyperreactivity, or if they have like a history of 
positive allergy skin tests, that'll increase their risk factors for croup. Some things to kind of include on your differential if you have a kid who's like coughing and hoarse and you're not sure if it's croup or something else, some things to keep in mind are bacterial tracheitis, epiglottitis, retropharyngeal and peritonsillar abscesses, foreign body aspiration is huge where these kids will have more like unilateral signs secondary to having the foreign body most likely go in the right bronchi, but something to just keep in mind. Whether or not the kid has been worked up for a congenital malformation, which can cause inspiratory strider, vocal cord paralysis, trauma, or cystic hygroma. These are all kind of things to keep in mind. Uh, and then for your signs and symptoms, they'll kind of have signs of upper respiratory infection for one to two days. They'll have like the cough and they don't feel great. And that cough can be kind of spasmodic. So it's like harsh barking cough. If you remember back to step one and step two, they'll kind of always describe the croup cough as this harsh barking cough. Once you hear it a couple of times, you're like, oh yeah, that definitely sounds like the kid has croup. In terms of the laryngitis and hoarseness, they can have like a raspy voice as well. Um, now, if they have fevers, they can have fevers like 103, 104. If it's higher than that, kind of think about back to your differential. This differential should include bacterial tracheitis where they'll just be sick as a dog and they'll have these high temps and you have to be concerned that maybe their airway is going to be obstructed because of the bacterial inflammation. And then for kids that have croup, they'll awaken at night with these like spasms of this harsh barking cough. They'll have strider that's inspiratory and they'll just be kind of in respiratory distress. The distress that you see when a kid has croup is like more during inspiration. They'll have retractions and they'll have inspiratory strider. And these retractions can be like substernal, supracravicular, supersternal. They'll just be like profound retractions. For physical exam, you'll notice that maybe or not the kid is... In some respiratory distress, they might have increased work of breathing, those retractions that we talked about, and then they'll have prolonged inspiration with coarse crackles, wheezing, and bronchi on exam. You may appreciate cyanosis, so kind of look around their uh, mouth to see if their mouth is kind of blue, as well as in their nail beds to see if they have peripheral cyanosis. Now, in terms of labs, you usually don't need labs. You usually don't need imaging. This is a clinical diagnosis. You're going to look at this kid. They're going to have this harsh barking cough. They're going to be hoarse. They're going to have inspiratory strider. Their lungs are going to sound kind of maybe some coarse crackles, wheezes, and ronchi. You kind of have to think about the seasons a little bit. Kind of think of that parainfluenza as your main bug of choice. In terms of management, management is mostly supportive. Uh, similar to my RSV talk, you're going to have to kind of consider whether or not they need to be on fluids. They can't take PO and they're just like having trouble breathing. You'll start, you want, might want to start IV fluids for these kids. You also want to give them Tylenol for their fevers because they're not going to be feeling good. They're going to be uncomfortable and fevers are just not necessarily fun for a kid to deal with if they're also having like trouble breathing. Um, in severe cases, you have humidified air and nebulized epinephrine or racemic epinephrine. And then in the outpatient management of croup, sometimes dexamethasone can be used. It can also be used in inpatient management as well. And a one-time dose of dexamethasone causes clinical improvement. Once again, this is a most likely a viral illness, and it's like 75% of cases are parainfluenza. They don't need antibiotics. Parents will look to you and be like, oh my gosh, my kid has these high fevers. I was told that if they have fevers, like it's probably bacterial. That's not true. This is a really great opportunity to kind of educate parents on what croup is and how the management goes. They don't need antibiotics. They need fluids and supportive management. Now, when do you want to admit these kids? You want to admit kids with croup when they look dry, they look fatigued, they look toxic. You'll walk in a room and kind of eventually get that sense like, oh, 
this kid is sick. This kid needs to be admitted. Or if they have a rapid progression in their symptoms and you just kind of like are not 100% sure if it's croup versus bacterial tracheitis versus an abscess like right off the bat, you can admit them and work them up. This way you can kind of maintain control of their oxygen saturations and whether or not they're getting good like hydration. 